This is the Blossom of Thought podcast, a podcast about the body, mind, and soul. And your host is Impilo Kambule. We are back with another episode. Yitz Epstein joins me today. He's a narcissistic abuse and relationship life coach and healer, founder of a Manola Healing Center, creator of Narcissism Recovery Podcast. He specializes in helping people overcome childhood trauma and abuse, specifically narcissistic abuse as well as narcissistically abusive relationships. A lot of narcissistic words there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yitz, welcome. Yes, Ampilo, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm so grateful for us that we were successful finally to have this topic going on. Yeah, it's a very popular topic. A lot of people uh, are, uh, you know, I think we all suffer from some sort of wounding experience in childhood that affects us later on in life. So uh, unfortunately, but also fortunately, my work has been able to reach uh, many people. And um, I'm grateful to be able to uh, educate people on narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and how to overcome uh, traumatic pasts. Yeah, let's just begin with your journey, how, where you come from and how you get this far before we get into the subject for the day, which is childhood abuse and trauma. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. And I originally come from a city called Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I was raised in a home with a lot of siblings. <laughs> I was one of eight. And there was a, what we call a narcissistic family dynamics. Uh, there was not a whole lot of unconditional love, not a whole lot of attunement uh, or empathy or compassion. And as a result, uh, we were all very wounded. And uh, for many years, I've been looking for answers to uh, help understand myself and understand why I felt the feelings that I felt, why I un uh, underwent the traumatic experiences from my past. And for a very long time, I was searching for answers and had no idea, really no explanation, no, no clarifying uh, information to help me really relieve some of that stress and some of the, some of the hurts. Uh, several couple of years ago, not too many, uh, I came across the concept of childhood trauma, childhood wounds and narcissism and narcissistic abuse. And that really uh, answered a lot of my questions. And ever since then, uh, I've been on this healing journey where I have been educating myself, uh, learning about what it means to heal, and I have essentially been trying to overcome what was a very narcissistic family dynamic, a very abusive past, a lot of abandonment, a lot of hurts, a lot of emotional, verbal, psychological, spiritual, relational abuse. Uh, and I have, you know, by the grace of God and the many people who have come into my life and helped guide me, uh, have been able to overcome all of it. And as a result, uh, still growing, still healing, but as a result of where I am in my journey, I feel uh, this desire and need to give back to others and help others who uh, are struggling. And as a result, I opened up uh, a center uh, for healing called the Magnolia Healing Center. Uh, I have my own podcast, like you mentioned, Narcissism Recovery Podcast. And my goal is very simple. I want to help people heal from their past so they can go on and live happy, healthy, fulfilling life uh, lives and, and reach their dream and their full potential. Yeah, you seem to have a, a very fascinating journey right there. One thing that Thank I want you. us to begin with is just, just the childhood abuse and what it is and where, when does it begin in your judgment as far as your experience diving deeper, studying this material? Yeah, well, you know, when you say the word childhood abuse, it, it, sounds, uh, it sounds intentional and it's not always intentional. Sometimes it's simply the lack of childhood needs being met. You know, when you're a child, you are helplessly dependent on those who are raising you to meet your needs. And there are so many needs we have. So parents, for the most part, do the best they can but oftentimes they neglect fundamental needs such as unconditional love, validation, acceptance, attunement, uh, just needs that we need to develop a sense of self. So when we talk about childhood trauma and childhood abuse, you know, the, the point is what I'm learning is that there's a need and whatever that need was, it was not met. And as a result, 
it didn't, you, uh, the child and, you know, the, whoever was in that uh, environment did not get the nutrients, the emotional, psychological, and spiritual nutrients to develop a sense of self, much like a plant that would need water, uh, sunlight, and, and dirt. So because of this, it affects the personality in a very fundamental core and lifelong uh, way. And what uh, essentially what I'm learning is, is that you are able to correct this damage while being an adult, uh, even though it happened decades ago. Uh, by essentially becoming the nurturer of your own inner child, developing that self uh, that you didn't get a chance to develop through a process that I call the healing journey. And the healing journey is essentially a process that we that I take people through. It's it's sort of a, a routine that I learned for myself and I have many, uh, sort of refined over several different years that when you go on this journey, you uh, essentially learn different life skills. You learn how to nurture yourself, how to accept yourself, love yourself, and how to approach life in a very mindful, non-reactive, uh, p- uh, peaceful, and uh, intentional way. And that leads to a life of conscious, being conscious and aware of how you show up in the world, how you relate to other people, which really helps you uh, get your needs met and continue to get your needs met and allow you to connect in a healthy way. So how does it manifest itself in human day-to-day interaction or in our social life, this childhood abuse? Because obviously there will be some manifestation of some kind. I'm sure we see it every day. It's only that we may not say this throws back to childhood abuse. Yeah, it affects every element of our life because it affects our relationships. And our relationships, everything is a relationship. Even when there's no relationship, there's a relationship that we have with, with ourself or with our higher self. So everything is a relationship. And if we have a blueprint for relationships that is faulty, that is dysfunctional, that is not conducive to getting needs met, it ends up leading to breakdowns. So we have to correct the programming. We have to correct the patterns, the habits, the, 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 the way we interact with the world has to be healthy or else we're not going to be able to get our needs met in a healthy way, which again, leads to breakdowns. So how it affects our life, it affects the way we perceive ourselves. If we were raised in homes like this, narcissistic homes, you're not going to uh, be able to necessarily love yourself unconditionally. It's going to be a lot of shame. Uh, there's going to be defense mechanisms. There's going to be coping techniques, soothing agents, addictions, all these things that get in the way of us really tr- showing up to life in a, pr- in a present moment, vulnerable way. So how it affects us so many different ways. I can honestly talk about this for hours, but one of the main ways is it doesn't let us be vulnerable and connect to other people in a way that leads to fulfillment and growth. And that's really what we want to focus on when it comes to healing. I just want to take us to a study done by the WHO. It was done in June 8, 2020. And they say globally, it is estimated that up to 1 billion children aged 2 to 17 years have experienced physical, sexual, and emotional violence or neglect in the past year. So which is a huge number. Will you have something to comment on that? Yeah, you know, I would argue it's more. (laughs) It doesn't (laughs) surprise me at all. Uh, that's just what they, I guess, maybe documented. But you know, the way I see it is, is that it is a, there are, I mean, childhood is a hostage situation. It's a situation where the parent and the child are both forced to be there. And oftentimes, uh, you know, to their detriment, you know, but ultimately this is a relationship that has to happen. And we have to go through childhood to get to adulthood. And, you know, when parents don't, are, are wounded, when they don't heal themselves, when they don't know how to relate to their child in a way that meets their needs, it's going to wound them. You know, I, I definitely think that everyone has experienced some sort of trauma and some uh, experience that really shook them up and, 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 and wounded them. Uh, in which case, I think that there's 7 billion people. I think we all have somewhat some wounding. I, I think that um, for some, it's not as severe. Um, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. I think that we are all human beings trying to self-actualize, trying to grow into our higher self. 
And that is a daunting task. And especially in childhood, when you're so helplessly dependent, it's, there's going to be wounding experiences, cultural experiences that wound you, religion, perhaps, uh, friendships, classmates, coworkers. I mean, somewhere along the way, we're going to get, we're going to bump into somebody who doesn't necessarily, you know, agree with who we are and, and our, and our, and our you know, beliefs or our relationship patterns. So yeah, we get wounded, but you know, the fascinating thing is, I think the exciting thing and the beautiful thing is, is that I believe that regardless of what you've gone through, literally you can overcome it and you can, you can heal and not only heal, you can thrive. So while it's troubling to think of that statistic, it is a relief to know that there is healing possible. But one, one of the fascinating things that you talk about is the idea that this kind of trauma abuse begins before you were born. Can you take us through that? Yeah. Pre-birth and, you know, pre-verbal, you know, even as a very, very young child, uh, if anything, think about it this way. We're much more dependent on our parents or our surroundings when we're an infant and when we're, you know, we're in, in still in, you know, pre, pre-birth in, in the womb. So everything affects the child. You know, I like to compare it to a tree, right? A tree is, starts off a very small seed uh, and that seed gets touched in the wrong way, scratched. Well, guess what? This oak tree, 100, you know, 200 years later is deeply affected by that. And it's the same, very same thing with children. So we're actually much more sensitive to the environment around us. So, you know, I, I, I can't say I, I know exactly what it's. What the uh, what the effects are pre-birth? Uh, I guess who can? Maybe there are people who study that, but I, I can't imagine that there's nothing that goes unaffected when it comes to the environment, the feelings of the mother, the fears, the the hurts, uh, the anxieties, maybe her own uh, experiences within or relationally or her past traumas. So it all it all comes together. Um, but what I have found, and again, the silver lining is how resilient children are, people are, and the ability to heal itself is absolutely fascinating. So, you know, I like to focus on that because I, you know, of course, as you're probably aware, very uh, exposed to the negative side of life and how damaging, how damaging our past is and how troubling uh, experiences life, you know, can have. But then again, it, it is, it is about our focus because if we focus on how victimized we were and how troubled we were and how, how wound, uh, wounding, you know, how un- unjust our past was, it's hard to move past it because we're so focused on, you know, how helpless we were as opposed to how resilient and powerful we truly are. The other question is, can a mother pass on whatsoever trauma she has from a childhood, childhood abuse? Oh yeah. I think we do unless we repair. Uh, in fact, you know, we, we literally give over our belief system. We give over our attitudes. We give over our unresolved emotions. We wound our children in the same way we were wounded. Uh, from my awareness, from my understanding, until we go into our own psyche, we become so self-aware and heal what is damaged so that we can relate to our children who are, again, helplessly dependent and absorbing every negative emotion, every trauma, uh, and very sensitive to that, unless we heal within ourselves, we are unfortunately going to give that over. Um, so the same way we can give trauma over again, we can give over good health and happiness and good, 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 you know, peace and, and grace and, and health. So it works both ways. So it kind of like becomes an intergenerational you know, other people like to call it curse, but I would like to use the word wounds. So it's becoming yeah. intergenerational wounds. 100%. It becomes the norm. It becomes the, the paradigm in which, uh, you know, we, we pass on to our children. And absolutely, you know, who knows how many generations back the programming that, you know, you and I are living with go back. So, you know, when you, when you decide to change your life around and you ch- decide to break a curse or a wound and heal, you're not just breaking up your own trauma, you're breaking up decades, you know, millennial, a uh, familial you know, mistreatment or abuse or trauma or narcissism. So it's a daunting task, but that is what's so courageous and powerful about it is that this is stuff that has been going on for a long time. There's a lot of momentum in the direction of repeating it. So to step up 
and break the break the cycle is huge. So when you speak about childhood abuse, are we uh, are we speaking about the same thing as narcissistic abuse, or these are two different concepts? Well, narcissistic abuse is just a certain category of abuse. Uh, okay. There's many forms of childhood abuse and trauma. Uh, you know, narcissistic abuse is the reason I specialize is ultimately because that's what I personally experienced, and I'm just very aware of the dynamics of it. Uh, it's a little bit different. It's okay. a little bit more ambient, a little more more psychological and spiritual as opposed to let's say sexual abuse, which might be more physical. Uh, not always, but but most of the time, you know, physical abuse, uh, verbal abuse, emotional, which is, is much more hands on, much more visible, much more tangible. Uh, narcissistic abuse is sort of a psychological, spiritual warfare. Uh, and uh, control and, and just using another human being for personal gain, to summarize very shortly. But there's a ton of nuances. Obviously, my podcast has, has a bunch of episodes because I'm trying to embrace every nuance or as many nuances I possibly can. But it's extremely nuanced, extremely subtle and ambient and very hard to pinpoint, which is why a lot of people will undergo narcissistic abuse and think that their childhood was perfectly fine, only to realize decades later that it wasn't not only not fine, it was actually ridiculous extremely abusive but is there any way one can be able to self-check and say oh well i think i am suffering from way back childhood abuse i should say well yeah absolutely if you if you look at your life and you ask yourself hey am i happy am i fulfilled and am i living in alignment with my authentic self if the answer is no to any of those then you want to ask yourself the question, did something happen that misaligned me? Did something happen? Was I taught something? Perhaps I'm not good enough or I'm not lovable. Or I don't deserve things. Or I don't deserve to, to live my dream or I don't have the capabilities to do the, the things that I want to do. You know, if you learned those lessons, it, it doesn't really matter what happened to you. Something happened that gave you that belief system. And then the belief system, which is corrupted and falsely, begins to uh, manifest into your life as as you know, just look at your life and you'll see what you manifest based on our, uh, that belief system and that attitude that we were, were raised with that programming. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we want to live a life of happiness, health and abundance and joy and unconditional love, we have to fix ourselves because we will get in our lives, a reflection of our own state of being. Well, let's come to the interesting part, which everybody obviously would like, uh, I mean, to know about, or at least to have you upload here. How do we overcome the childhood abuse, or because now that we have discovered that hey, I'm suffering from something that happened some time ago when I was young, I'm still carrying it with me. So how do I overcome it? What are some of the things that I can do in order to start the process of ridding myself of such you know terrible happening? Yeah, for sure. Well, the first step, I mean, there's many steps. That's why I have a journey because yeah. along the journey, there's different yeah. steps and the goal uh, to heal, obviously. But the first, one of the first steps is, is becoming mindful of how you feel, you know, your reactions, uh, your emotional reactions, your behavioral reactions, you know, essentially becoming self-aware. You know, when you take a reflection, when you take a look in you, the metaphorical mirror, you self-reflect, what you're doing is you're looking at yourself and asking yourself very difficult and painful questions, which might lead to very dark and disturbing answers, such as why do I feel this way? Why am I acting this way? And what happened to me that made me this way? And when you, if you have the courage to do that, then you're opening a doorway into exploring the answers and the answers will come as you explore yourself and as you learn. So it, it, it's, it's a combination of being very vulnerable, very courageous, uh, very graceful and asking the questions and not being afraid of the answers and feeling the very painful feelings that oftentimes we have built walls. We have built empires to avoid breaking them down and allowing yourself to be intimate with yourself, with your feelings, with your past, with your pain, and truly getting to know what happened to you and how it damaged you. Once you can do that, which is you know the first big step, then you're on the you're 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 well on your way 
to really uncovering the damage, healing it, and moving on. Well, let's get to overcoming narcissistic abuse. Um, I understand that you've got a, a couple of uh, about four signs of narcissism. I don't know where it's narcissism or narcissistic abuse. I, I don't know how you, you take that, but uh, the whole point is trying to understand what narcissism is and how does one overcome a narcissistic uh, abuse? Yeah, yeah it's the, a good question. The various steps that you usually talk about in the podcast. Yeah, well, it's, it's the, like I said, there's many different steps along the way, but if I were to summarize it, it's understanding how your way of connecting to people is still primitive and still reactive to your wounds, healing yourself so that you can then show up to the world in a way that's not reactive, but rather uh, interconnecting, right? It's, it's much more uh, with much more empathy, much more self-awareness, much more self-acceptance, self-love. So it's, it's, it is a process and I, it, it is different for everybody because everyone's holding in different places. Some people you know, that I work with have been in therapy for 30 years and they have a lot more, uh, done a lot more work than let's say somebody who hasn't. You know, it's a little bit younger who hasn't necessarily done any work, but the goal is the same. The goal is to accept yourself, to get to know yourself, and then to uh, understand how your childhood needs went unmet. Meet them by yourself in a way that doesn't that doesn't creep into your adult relationships and kind of hijack your relationships. And um, you know, once you're in a once you're in a in a place where you can be independent, then you're in a much better position to be in you know interdependent or, or you know as opposed to codependent. You know, when you're when you're not whole, when you're fragmented, then what I, what you end up doing is you end up enmeshing so that you become whole. But you cannot become whole by enmeshing and by being with somebody else. You have to be whole by yourself, and then you share that wholeness with somebody else in a interconnecting. That is in relationship. You know, that is what leads to happiness and fulfillment. So the way I see it, the goal, no matter what you've been through, is connection. And connection with other people begins with connection to your authentic self, to your inner child, and your higher self. Make sense? Do you mean by connection, meaning trying to discover who you really are and trying to live, as you say, in an authentic manner? Does that mean that I I just open myself to whatsoever? I don't try and judge myself and just become free, live by my own rules, whatsoever comes into my mind. I just live that way without having the fears of what other people will say. Is that what I'm hearing from you or something different? Yeah, well, you you might not want to do that just because if you uh, don't have, ultimately, our, our actions and our, our, our thoughts, our feelings, our opinions, they, 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 um, they affect other people. So you're not, you're not just living free and just recklessly, you know, but what's, what you're doing is you're living mindful, right? Mm-hmm. You're living aware. You're living aware uh, in a way that you're aware of what your needs are and you're aware of, what, of, of, of how to meet them. And you're mindful of other people, otherwise known as empathy. You have empathy for other people and, and yourself. And you're engaged in a relationship that's with communication, with uh, in a way that uh, lead that can lead to connection. You know, there's going to be you know, I guess you can say rules. There, there are there are rules that we have in relationships that keep us safe, that keep us a structure. You know, but it's a, if it's it's a structure that you that you could um, that's it's attuned. It's attuned to who you are. You know, the reason in childhood, if we don't have parents who set structure rules, right? Uh, rules can very easily be seen as limiting, but actually rules are uh, set you free because it gives you a structure so you can live in the confines and ultimately, uh, you know, feel secure. So it's, it would almost like, like be saying, you know, I want to be free. I just, you know, I'm going to take down the walls of my house. Well, the issue with that is, is you'll let in all the storms and, and ultimately you won't feel like you're living in a confines. So when you live with boundaries, when you live with, with rules and, and, and structure, and what that allows you to do is that allows you to uh, essentially be whole and not 
just in mesh, you know, when you have no boundaries, you have no sense of self, or you're just totally free, you're a free spirit. Oftentimes, you don't know where you are, you don't know where the other person begins, and then you end up violating each other's boundaries and enmeshing. So it is fundamental to build a structure, otherwise known as, you know, developing a sense of self, who you are. Once you know who you are, then you can set a boundary with other people, and boundaries allow you to connect as opposed to enmesh. You often speak about, I think when you dive deep into narcissism, you speak about uh, altruistic narcissist. Can you tell us about that and what that yeah, is exactly? 100%. That's, it's one of the most insidious forms of abuse that I have yet to come across. And it, it, it masks its, 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 uh, this persona or it masks inner shame and uh, uh, feeling to maybe self-hate or just hate of people, uh, rage, uh, guilt, you name it, humiliation behind a persona of altruism and selflessness and people who, uh, who are attracted to these types of people, because we all love the person who gets self-sacrifices uh, are going to be duped very often by this type of, type of person because they appear to be very loving and giving. But in reality, there's a secondary gain of using people to get something, let's say get attention, get admiration for being altruistic. And you find these types of people in in religions, you find them in, uh, you know, big charities, big, uh, big um, donation, you know, to people who are, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I'm forgetting, but ultimately people who are seemingly very open about how they give and uh, very philanthropic, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, and and they're, it's hard to see, you know, hard to see it. Uh, and that's why they get that why that's why people get away with it because it's hard to track down. And usually, again, there's a secondary gain of fame, control, maybe admiration, attention. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a fascinating concept because I myself have been duped by this type of perpetrator, and for a very long time, I still get duped by it um, because again, they know how to say what to say to uh, to look uh, very altruistic, very giving, very loving, and very unconditional as well. But in reality, it's very conditional and it's very exploitive. So, can you take us through the four signs of this altruistic narcissism and, and how one can deal with each one of them? I don't know if you have time. Maybe just sum it up in the next five minutes or so. Yeah. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Well, first of all, when you give to an, uh, an altruistic narcissist and, you know, you want to pay attention to how it feels, mm -hmm. um, usually it's going to be, it's going to feel, it's going to, there's going to be something off, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's also, you want to pay attention to, again, the secondary gain. Is there, is there fame? You know, what, what are the, what are they getting from giving? Mm -hmm. uh, what is, what might be, what might they, what, they, what may, might they be purchasing with their giving? It's not giving if you're trying to get something, right? It's taking, oh, so it's buying, whatever, 100%. It's like a barter system. It's not necessarily giving. Mm -hmm. uh, it's Again, it's very insidious and it's very hard to pinpoint. So on, honestly, again, very deceptive and you may not be able to pick it up. You may not be able to pick it up until it's too late. But at the end of the day, you know, when you give, it feels good. That's how I perceive it. When you give mm -hmm. to somebody who appreciates, you want to look for gratitude. Mm -hmm. Does this person deeply, and I'm not talking what they say, I'm talking energetically, do you feel a sense of gratitude for when you give to them or when they give to you? Uh, humility, you want to take a look at humility, you know, giving is, is a very powerful thing. And, and, uh, you know, you are in a power dynamic in, on the you know, higher up, and then therefore it takes a great sense of humility. So if somebody's giving with arrogance, again, exploit that the power, power, uh, you know, power uh, dynamic there. So again, it's very insidious, and very subtle. But um, I hope those signs give some clarity as to what to look out for. You also speak about that, that kind of a person like to enforce rules whenever they, you know, yeah. uh, overtaken by the narcissistic temperature or something. For sure. Well, it's control. Control. You know, uh, if, I, if, I have, uh, if I'm trying to get power, uh, I can't just walk over to the podium and say, hi, everyone. I'm really interested in some power. 
y'all are going to answer to me. It just doesn't work like that. What you need to do is you need to deceive people into giving up their power and giving it to you. And the way you do that is you appear as if someone who's, tr who's trustworthy and someone who's worthy of that power. And then you exploit it. Again, deception. It's very difficult to pick up on. By the time they pick, you've picked up on it, it may be too late because they may have leveraged incredible amounts of power over people. Yeah, the other one that you talk about is that the narcissist takes a, a lost cause, either a friendship or a, a family member. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I, what, I guess what context were you, were, were you talking about? No, but I, I think you, from what no, I understand, at least when I'm when I was going through your material, that's what sure. you talk about as part of the signs of an altruistic narcissist. Ah, uh, got it. Yeah. Well, they 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 prey. They prey on people who need help and need saving. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, sort of that savior complex. You know, if somebody's broken and down and and you know in need of money or need of resources, need of affection, need of love, need of need of kindness, whatever it is, then you by going into a position of giving you become very powerful in that person's life because ultimately they're helpless to you now when you, uh, when you give. So they, 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 I guess you can say they pick on low hanging fruit because they know that they're helpless and in need. Um, again, taking advantage of crippled, broken, lost, confused, wounded, uh, you know, hurting human beings, which is the way I see it. That's as bad as it gets. So how does one heal emotional wounds or the trauma? Well, you know, it, it's it, our emotions and, and, and really uh, trauma what it is it's 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 emotions that never got to be processed they never mm -hmm. got the the, the 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 space the freedom and the environment to be felt you know emotions uh are very fundamental to the human condition mm -hmm. they're not weak they're not fragile they just are if you're hungry and your body tells you you're hungry thank god it does because now you get to know okay my body needs food that's why it's telling you it's hungry if you have an emotion your emotions are simply messengers and they need to be, uh, we need to understand what they're telling us. So healing is simply about feeling your feelings, inviting them into your life with compassion and without judgment, with space, much like you would allow, allow a child to throw a temper tantrum, and then communicating with these feelings and listening and understanding what they're telling you. And most of the time, what they're asking for is to be accepted, to be acknowledged, and to be felt. It's not that complicated. There's other needs we have, validation, acceptance, uh, you know, but that being said, a lot of these emotional wounds, which are childhood wounds, which are really just childhood emotions that got stuck in childhood because they were never given the freedom and the, and the validation to be felt, they need that. They just need that. They need an environment where they, that they didn't have in childhood. So our job is, as, as the sort of healer of our own self, the parent of our own inner child is to create that space of safety, to allow that child to express him or herself and without judgment, with compassion. And once that happens, it's really not such a complex you know, a uh, journey. It really is quite simple, although it's difficult because we've been defending against these feelings. We've been running away from them. We've been denying them and not allowing ourselves to feel them because of how much pain it would bring up. But once you go through it, once you feel it, you're free. That's awesome. Well, we have run out of time, the time that we've set for ourselves. I want you to conclude with just some advice to, to the youth that is coming up. I think anybody who comes here, it's always fair just to ask a question that will deal with the youth because I think they're facing a lot at the stage where they are just taken by wherever the wind is going. So, but this one, I, I want you to just give advice on social media and how to deal with it because it seems to be causing a lot of harm to a lot of people, not only youth, but also adults, but let's just focus uh, on youth and how dangerous is social media and how they can overcome that. Sure. So I guess to understand, are you saying specifically social media and, and the way that influences people and how to protect yourself from that? Oh, oh yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, social media is one of those things. It, it's, it's amazing. I think it's fascinating how 
how quickly you can spread information and that can go that can go for the better or for the worse you know and, and it can influence people in, a, in an incredible way quickly or you know like i said for the better or for the worse so the way i see it is is that is that when we are wounded and when we are hurting when we are feeling lonely and abandoned and shameful uh we try to escape you know and one of those things we we, we are it's pretty available to every human being pretty much on this planet it's a phone away it's a, it's a computer away uh from entering into this worldwide web of escaping into this sort of tech technological vortex or matrix. So the way I see it is, is that when you are in pain and you're looking to soothe, you will find many different ways to soothe. And social media is just one of them. You know, the alcohol, drugs, they're all forms of escape and avoiding yourself. You cannot run from yourself. As far as you run, there you are. So whatever you do, if you're in pain, sit there with it, acknowledge it, validate it, accept it, love yourself through it, and then the need to escape yourself will dissipate. And not only that, you will truly appreciate being alive because you will be present with yourself and you'll be accepting and loving yourself. And I believe strongly there's absolutely nothing more incredible than being present, liking, loving, and, and accepting who you are as you are unconditionally. I believe that is as divine and uh, and, and really uh, healthy as it gets. I wish we had time. Maybe we can uh, come back some, uh, some other time and just talk about this. Yeah, for sure. Accepting self and uh, tra- getting to understand self, you know, living with self and not trying to escape self, which is quite an, an impossible thing to do because we'll always be following you. Yeah. I'd be happy to come back on and talk all about it. It's a fascinating concept. And I believe it is something that we all, many people struggle to do because of the way we were raised and taught how to treat ourselves uh, with a lack of empathy, you know, with a, with a, uh, a self-rejection, self-abuse. But I believe that when the world, each individual, and then the world collectively accepts, loves, and appreciates who they are individually, it'll be a whole lot healthier for the whole world as we all appreciate ourselves and each other. I believe that's really what the world needs desperately right now. I agree 100%. Well, uh, where can people find you? Because you it shows that you have got a lot of information that other people can benefit a great deal other than just when you come and visit with us. Yeah, for sure. Well, feel free to email me. If you got questions, if you want to work with me, be happy to. Uh, it's info, I-N-F-O at yetsepstein.com. Uh, the Magnolia Healing Center is still in its infancy, but we are working on a website right now. So when that happens, obviously you can reach me that way. Um, but I'd be more than happy to, to connect with you and uh, discuss uh, what your struggle is and if I can help you, great. Um, and you feel free to check out my podcast, Narcissism Recovery Podcast. You can get that on, I mean, just Google it, but Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the whole uh, the whole gamut. So, yeah. Oh, well, it was great recording with you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's my honor, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Bilo. I really appreciate it.